As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. In 2012, Rangers were dumped into the basement of Scottish football. If you've been following our story so far, you'll know that while they occasionally made heavy work of it, Back-to-back promotions brought Ali McCoist's side just one final step from a return to the big time. But it was a step too far, and McCoist was gone by Christmas. Rangers manager Ali McCoist has tendered his resignation. In a tricky championship season, Rangers were beaten into third place by Hearts and Hibs, and they were denied entry to the Premiership in the playoffs by Motherwell. It'll be a long summer for Rangers. For the first time since they were consigned to the third division, the Rangers Express had hit the buffers. It was time for a change. It was time for Mark Warburton. Tremendous privilege and honour, a club of this history and tradition. You walk around the ground, stadium for me, first time this morning, and you smell the history, so it really is an honour. I'm your host, Ailey Barber. Welcome to Beyond the Headline, the fall and rise of Rangers. Looking back on it retrospectively, I think he was a terrific appointment by the club. His motto was always, well, plan B is to do plan A better. The actual performance on that evening was utterly deplorable. Part three, the frustration. gets it you know you go to ibrox it's special it's really special um david we always told me and you, you live and breathe it and as i say i use the word privileged not to sound like an old man just because it is you are privileged to manage such a great club this is mark warburton once a high-flying city trader he gave it all up to try to make it as a football coach and he succeeded Having started as a youth coach with Watford, he moved to Brentford to work with the senior players before stepping into management himself in 2013. He very nearly took the bees to the Premier League, but fell out with the ownership and left in 2015. It was then that a wounded Rangers that had barely got to the playoffs the previous season made their move. But they were not in great shape. Dave King had released some like 13 players. I think we walked into nine players on the first day and we took a couple of from the youth team and I think Barry Mackay came over and immediately you know, impressed us but it was just looking with Davey Weir because he had been at the club during the great times 
and I could see and hear from him his surprise and sadness, really. And also, I'm thinking a great, you know, the club of Glasgow Rangers size. Here we are with nine players on day one, and it was a, it was a, it was clearly a, a giant of a club that had certainly obviously lost its way, but it was on its way back. That was the key message. It was on its way back. Looking back on it retrospectively, I think he was a terrific appointment by the club. This is Finlay Marks, a journalist and Rangers supporter. He brought in an entirely new team, both on and off the park. Um, he used his connections down south to bring in some decent players for not much money. You know, well-established championship players like Martin Waghorn and uh, a young lad from Wigan called James Tavernier, who, you know, pops up in this story. He does pop up in this story, but not just yet. I think it was also important having someone who was completely divorced from that bubble of Scottish football. Adam Miller is someone you've probably seen on Twitter. He's better known as the man behind the Twitter account, Old Firm Facts. Who, you know, didn't have that burden of expectation, you know, being a club legend, whether it was McCoyce or even Stuart McCall coming in as a caretaker manager. Warburton was completely outside that world. An Englishman who had never played in Scotland and was very inexperienced as a manager. Sounds familiar, right? So he came in with fresh ideas and I think, you know, I think with Warburton... He got them playing a kind of more attacking football. I think there was a a kind of confidence that was going through the side that maybe wasn't there before. I think a club with a stature and expectation of Rangers, you've got to give the players a solution. Mark Warburton. We are privileged to play here in front of 50 or 1,000 fans. So how are we going to do it? You've got to give them a way out. We're not going to just turn up and hope. We're going to go out and play. This is how we're going to do it. And every day we might concede some goals, but we're going to be on the front foot, attacking with six, defending with four. And it was, it was making sure that the boys had a clear message of how to go about the task. Because the task was clear, it was non-negotiable, you had to get promotion. And it's all very well saying you've got the, you know, the bigger wages and better players, but you've got to do that at a club of Rangers after where they'd been as a club uh, and what was to them. So you know, the, the players deserve so much credit for the way they took on board messages and applied themselves. This time, Rangers hit the ground running. Under Warburton's leadership, they won their first 11 games. They also won the Challenge Cup, the tournament for non-premiership clubs. Oh, he's gone beyond Noble. Noble can't touch him. Oh, oh no, Kenny! Kenny! Kenny deserves it! If anyone deserves it, Kenny Miller deserves it! It's Rangers for Peter Hednell. And most importantly, they beat Celtic 2, knocking them out of the Scottish Cup semi-final on penalties. But they would lose the Scottish Cup final to Hibs. and the break killed us and um, we didn't deal with that side of the break very, very well but we wanted that major trophy desperately I think it just came at the, the players that absolutely spent after so much after getting the trophy getting back to the Premier League and achieving the goal it was almost like we needed, you know, that was it and then the cup final was it had it been two weeks earlier great but the fact that it was where it was losing the likes of Don Ball out of the cup final would have been so you know, impressive in the semi-final for example just all these small things added up Unfortunately it, it kind of unravelled quite quickly That's Ross McAdam lifelong Rangers fan You know it didn't really sit right you know Rangers 
just don't lose cup finals to Hibs. So I think his his time was kind of up, or he was he was up against it at that point anyway. And ultimately, I think that day, and when I say that day, I'm talking about the, the semi-final and beating Celtic, might actually have been a bit of a disaster long-term for the club. You know, it gave us, as as fans and the club itself, probably a bit of a false impression about where we were um, in comparison to Celtic at that point. I think we thought, thought we were a lot closer than we maybe were um, based, on, based on one result. Um, and I think it also almost galvanised Celtic, who went out and appointed Brendan Rodgers, which if we're being honest, was a bit of a game-changer. Nevertheless, promotion had been secured. Rangers were back. The day has come. A moment four years in the waiting, and they've been four long years. From the bottom to the top, the journey is over. Rangers are back. But being back in the top flight didn't necessarily mean that they were back to battling it out with Celtic for the title. However, not everyone saw it that way. There will have been an arm of Rangers fans that thought they could go up and straight away uh, win the league, which is odd, and it's hard for any team to get promoted. But what they did do was they were competitive, just not at the level that, that a lot of Rangers fans would have been used to. Andrew Slaven, the host of the Totally Scottish Football Show, he thinks that Mark Warburton was up against it from the start. I think he tried to lower expectation. He tried to be honest with Rangers fans and with the media and you kind of I don't think you can really do that um, when you're at Celtic or Rangers you have to kind of be you know if, if things are going wrong you have to be quite frank and upfront and say this is not good enough and things are going to change you can't say well you know uh a draw is a good point or anything like that. You can't have any negative language um, when you're a Celtic or Rangers manager. Otherwise, people are going to jump on it. And I think Warburton tried to temper expectation. He tried to manage uh, the media. I think there was just an assumption that, OK, Rangers are back in the top flight. Adam Miller. The next step is winning the league and that that was a realistic proposition. But you look back on some of the the, the Rangers teams that were being fielded and you contrast it with the you know, the 11 that, that Steven Gerrard is regularly putting out. And while there's, you know, while Tavernier might remain from that side, uh, there's a huge, huge difference. I think that a lot, or, or the general public opinion, was that Rangers were going to seamlessly step back up into the, the, the top flight in Scotland. Emma Dodds, presenter at Rangers TV. But that is a much bigger gulf coming from the Championship into the, the Premiership is one thing, but coming up and then challenging is a completely different thing. So what was the reality of the situation? How does Mark Warburton remember the season objectives being lined out to him? The directive was to um, maintain you know, consistency in the division, to keep on developing the squad. But third year, the following year, European football was non-negotiable. And that's fair enough. That would have been fair enough the following year. What would, what would that have been? 1718 or yeah. something? Yeah, that, 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 if you, you're thinking to yourself, you can't come in the top two or three, then Rangers, hopefully with the support and investment, we don't deserve to be in the job. But yeah. that, that first year back in the Premier League was just about solidifying the position. We were, we were second when they, when they got rid of us. So that was a bit, a bit, a bit of pill to swallow. But, um, as I say, the, 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 the non-negotiable came in the third year. So stabilise the club. And next season, Europe. 
However, not everyone at the club got that memo and a banner was unfurled at the start of the season which said, going for 55. When you put going for 55, and I saw that, I walked in in the morning in the stadium and went, who on earth put that up there? But it came from the top. And that's where his downfall began. But it wasn't just about miscommunications happening on the blue side of Glasgow. On the green side, Celtic had just appointed a new manager, one Brendan Rodgers. And in the 2016-17 season, they became both an immovable object and an unstoppable force. I think potentially expectations were part of the problem with Warburton. Finlay Marks. I think given the budget that Rangers still had at that point, which was still drastically less than Celtic. It was probably still more than any other team in Scotland, but it was still woefully short of the amount of money and investment that Celtic had in being able to um, assemble a playing squad. They had their best every year in their hundred odd year history. And that's what happened. Now Brendan's come down, he's doing the same with Leicester City now, he's an outstanding coach. He came in, they had big money players, the Dembele's and Sinclair's, and they had you know, way above the Rangers budget, way, way, multiples of the Rangers budget. And, and Brendan did a fantastic job in that first year but we were second and the all they were worried about unfortunately was the gap to Celtic but you know that when, when a striker for example always scores 15 goals and then suddenly scores 30 he'll go back I, I use the term regress to the norm Warped is this Celtic go backwards I never but the Celtic you, know, you look at it and it, that's what happened the following year they went back to their normal lost the same normal number of games, blew the same number of games as normal. It was that extraordinary year. And unfortunately, I think we paid the price for the, for the gap between the two teams. Celtic Park explodes in Flutterfetti. The Celtic support standing as one to celebrate the sixth in a row champions. But back to Rangers and the season opener. The much-vaunted comeback game at home to Hamilton was, well, a bit of a damp squib. Rangers needed a Martin Waghorn equaliser to rescue a point in front of 49,000 unimpressed supporters. Warburton's side steadied the ship in the following weeks with back-to-back wins, but then came their first league meeting with Celtic. It didn't go well. It was 2-1 at half-time. Dembele is a guy on, you know, multiples, multiples of any of our, any of our players. Dembele scores, he said, to be a 2-1. Joe gets a goal to a half-time. And then we did really well after the break. And if you remember, Barry Mackay just put the ball mm. a fraction wide of the post to go tall. Had we gone tall there, that would have silenced Parkhead, etc., and we'd have been in a good position. They get the goal on the breakaway, 3-1. Now, straight away, what do you do at 3-1? Now, someone said to me afterwards, you should have just said, right, sat back, get a load of defenders on, and, and take a 3-1 defeat. I've never met a manager who wants to do that. So we had Harry Forrest, if you recall, and we did Harry Forrester, and within two minutes of doing Harry Forrester, Bob Keenan pulls his hamstring, and Philippe Sendros gets sent off. So you go to nine men. We've got Joey Barton, Tav, and Lee Wallace as a back three, with nine men against Celtic. Yeah. And it becomes it becomes five one, with nine men. Ah, oh, disaster, dis- dis- disgrace, clueless amateurs. But who the fig knew that you're going to lose your two centre-halves to injury in a red card? What's he doing? I've no idea. Experience guy lunging in like that. I've no idea. But again, his first old firm and dealing with the, you know, dealing with the demands of that type of game. Poor decisions. So, you know, we've gone from 2-1 and just going, missing going to 2-0 to being 3-1 down, down to nine men. 
and then of course you know when you lose 5-1 in an old firm game you get all the pelters in the world but it, you know they didn't actually describe the game very well as I said there was no mention of Barry Mackay it was just the fact that we got beat 5-1 and in Glasgow in the goalfish bowl you've got, to take the, you've got to take the pain with that one A 5-1 defeat at Celtic Park emphasised the gap between the Premiership stalwarts and the latest addition to the top tier Without the resources to compete on a level playing field with Celtic, the pressure began to up on Warburton. When I landed in Glasgow for the first time, uh, a friend, a media guy said to me, there's always got to be a good cop and a bad cop in Glasgow. So I looked at him and he's still a good friend now. And he said, um, when you die, there's a bad cop right now. Whatever you do, you'll be the good cop. But then the moment Brendan arrived, he said to me, remember, good cop, bad cop, you've had your time in the sun. And he was right. For the fans, though, the problem was on the pitch with tactics. The, the issue Rangers fans had was, well, if plan A isn't working, we need a plan B. But his motto was always, well, plan B is to do plan A better. I think the problem with Warburton sometimes was uh, when it didn't work so well, his plan B was just to do plan A better. That was just nonsense. Mark Warburton. I heard many, many managers say similar things. I, I think I had top Arsenal guys say, you know, plan B, do plan A better. I've heard, I've heard that before. All I was saying was, we weren't, you know, if we change to a two and a one in midfield, if we nail up the wide players and the fullbacks push on, you can tweak plan A. You haven't got to radically change your whole formation. We never had the players to go to a three, for example, or whatever it may be. So, you know, they took it as a, as a plan B. Yeah, do plan A better. Because at the moment, we're not cohesive. We're not moving the ball well enough. Mm. So I, I said it in a very, very sensible way. And, of course, they jump all over it like a... And even now, it's all talking. You know, if you have a bad result, you had no plan B. But... In February 2017, after a run of poor results, Rangers announced that Warburton and his team had resigned. Here, though, is how Warburton remembers it. We absolutely, you would never resign from a club like Rangers, ever. So if you don't resign, there's only one thing that's happened. It's as simple as that. Warburton is now at Queen's Park Rangers, but he doesn't have any regrets about his time in Scotland. It was a privilege to manage such a magnificent club. You know, it was on a journey, to use your term from the start of this chat. Uh, I knew we were on a journey back to where we wanted to get to the top of Scottish football. An absolute privilege. We got promotion. We won the Challenge Cup, we get to the Cup final, and we take the club back to the Premier League. So if people are saying I didn't do a good job for Glasgow Rangers, not in an arrogant way, not in a big-headed way, but I think you've got to turn around and say the CB looks strong. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. After a brief spell in the hot seat for under-20s boss Graham Murty, Rangers made 
a surprising choice. On the 13th of March 2017, Rangers unveiled Portugal's Pedro Caixinha. He was poached from Algarafa in Qatar. His management CV listed jobs with Santos Laguna in Mexico and Uneo de la Rea, a Nacional, in his home country. If you're feeling baffled, you're not the only one. Hayley McQueen, Sky Sports News presenter and former host of Scottish Football on Sky. Just bringing somebody in who had never even managed in Great Britain to try and have him manage one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the biggest clubs, certainly one of the two biggest clubs in, in Scotland, and have him understand the rivalry, understand the city, understand the passion, understand the history and understand what the club had just been going through. I don't think he had an understanding of any of that. It was just, oh yeah, Rangers, big club. They battle it out with Celtic. Um, I'll head in there. They've got a wonderful big stadium and I'll just bring a whole load of players, get rid of a load of players that I'm not all that keen on. And I'll just be given a bit of time to kind of uh, rebuild here and wave a magic wand and, and, and hope that what I want to do w will work. And obviously it didn't. I went along to his first press conference when he was unveiled as the new Rangers manager. And to be honest, and I will be honest myself, what he was saying sounded plausible. You looked at a guy who, in terms of his, you know, career-wise, he seemed to have been, you know, in and around big clubs. He seemed to, well, he talked a good game, put it that way. This is Stuart Weir. He was head of sports at the Glasgow Herald at this time. And I just think the guy was, he was out of his depth. I think after after a period of time, I think that he almost became a laughing stock of, not just among Celtic fans, but actually amongst Rangers fans, where it was like, regardless of how bad we have been previously, how bad is it now? Because this guy is just a joke of a manager, a joke of a coach. By the time Rangers appointed Pedro, Celtic were just a month away from winning the Premiership. They'd already won the Scottish League Cup and were well on their way to winning the Scottish Cup. In fact, this season from Celtic was so sensational that they went unbeaten in the league and inflicted the heaviest defeat on Rangers at Ibrox since 1897, producing another 5-1 win. All in all, it was a season to forget. And so that's what the management staff did. Drew a line through it, gave Pedro another shot and gave him a rather large amount of money. Some of it was spent brilliantly. Pedro Cuxinha brought through Alfredo Morelos. I think a lot of people forget that. Morelos has grown to be absolutely adored by the support. And I think the key thing for me here is he's given you know younger fans a real idol that they can admire um, and look up to for the first time. Cascinio also brought in another player who would turn out to be a stalwart of the current side, Ross McAdam. He did also sign uh, Ryan Jack from Aberdeen on a, on a pre-contract, free transfer, and he's been a mainstay um, in, in Stephen Gerrard's Rangers, and Stephen Gerrard speaks fairly regularly about how much he loves Ryan Jack and how an integral part of the squad he is. Two, two of the mainstay of this uh, of this title winning side, two big, big uh, personalities and players in this squad, both came from him, so we can maybe give him a wee thanks for that. But for all Scottish football fans, Pedro Cascinia is known for one thing and one thing only, 
the moment it all crumbled down for him. The 2017-18 domestic season was yet to get underway, but Rangers still needed to get through the European qualifier against a small team from Luxembourg. Let's say his demise was somewhat accelerated when when Rangers lost to uh, Progress Niederkorn in the Europa League, Luxembourg's finest. Rangers, they won the first game 1-0 at Ibrox and then lost the second leg 2-0 away from home and short results happen in football but the actual performance on that evening was utterly deplorable It is Sebastian Thiel with the free kick and he's gone in it flashes past Fodringham it might have gone all the way from Sebastian Thiel and Rangers are staring at a shock European exit. Adam Miller. That alone, regardless of what had gone before in the past few years for Rangers, would have been considered one of the lowest points in modern times for Rangers to be losing against a team of that calibre. So they, they get put out uh, 2-1 on aggregate. They'd won the first leg and then they lost 2-0 in Luxembourg. After the game, there was a photo that emerged of Kashinya standing in a hedge outside the ground pointing his finger I think at a fan and they were obviously having a disagreement and you just start, you start, if there was one image and there's plenty of competition for it but if there was one image that summed up the state Rangers had got themselves into over the last few years it's that one and it instantly became a meme and that's I think uh, it's uh, three and a half years ago and you'll, you'll still regularly see it. Inevitably Pedro Cascinia was sacked in October 2017 after just seven months in charge with Rangers fourth in the table. Graham Murty who was caretaker manager for six games after the exit of Mark Warburton took the reins once again and then when Aberdeen boss Derek McInnes turned down a move to Ibrox Murty was given the job until the end of the season though he didn't quite make it. He was relieved of his duties in May after a 5-0 defeat to, yes, you've guessed it, Celtic. He's he's a very, very good coach um, and he's really, really highly thought of at Rangers. That's why they brought him back. Andrew Slaven. I mean, he, he was he was really asked to do a, a, a difficult job twice. And it's funny because I think, I think a lot of Rangers fans genuinely wanted him to do well. They liked the idea that he'd been at the club for a, for a short while and managed a lot of the young players in the academy, and he was he was a nice story. But it, it's sometimes there's a certain caliber of manager, a certain aura around someone, and he never really had that. Graham Murty may not have had an aura about him, but his replacement certainly did. Negotiations were protracted. The candidate was so well regarded that when it came to choosing a place to start his managerial career, he was not short of options. Indeed, the negotiation process was as much a case of Rangers impressing him as it was him impressing Rangers. But on May the 4th, 2018, the Ibrox Club got their man. Stephen Gerrard was on his way to Scotland. He was the most talked about player. Everyone knew his name, everyone knew all about him. I think it was definitely Celtic for 10 in a row. You know, I've seen a lot of good, good Rangers teams over, over the last 20 years, and this one's up there with the best of them. This is part three of four of Beyond the Headline, The Fall and Rise of Rangers. All four parts are available to listen to now and ad-free via The Athletic app. 
If you're not already a subscriber, then go to theathletic.com forward slash beyond to claim your sign-up offer. The Fallen Rise of Rangers was produced by Abby Patterson. The episodes were written by Ian McIntosh and Nick Miller. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh. <laughs>